0: Study that was published by Oxford Economics that shows important silver demand drivers to effectively double the rate of growth over the next decade. The well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics on Wednesday, November 15th. Hope you're having a great afternoon out there. And thanks for joining me as we're going to walk through some of the latest news affecting the gold and silver prices including a new report that shows that the demand for industrial silver is expected to grow at even faster rate over the next 10 years than we've seen over the past 10 years, as well as we will dig into some of the inflation data that was released this week, especially yesterday sent the metals prices soaring quite a bit higher. So a lot to cover and let us dig in. And we'll start by taking a quick look at the gold and silver prices. Silver back at 2350 and up again for the second day in a row. And here you can see yesterday the move that pushed silver almost a dollar higher following the CPI inflation that came out at 8.30 Eastern yesterday, which has left silver dollar and a half higher on the week. And as we take a look at the gold price, we see it is sitting at 19.66 as of 11 o'clock on Wednesday morning. Similar pattern yesterday. You see there was the big move up right as the CPI data was released. That has once again left the gold price not all that far from the $2,000 mark. So even as we've seen a bit of the premium based on the geopolitical tensions in the Middle East, take some of that increase out of the gold, silver, and oil prices. Again, gold still well above the levels it was at in early October when all of that began. And we'll dig into some of the factors that are leaving the gold price uh, quite a bit higher these days. Yet to dig into some of the news, here was a report that came out from Silver Institute last week. And they were talking about a study that was published by Oxford Economics that shows important silver demand drivers to effectively double the rate of growth. Over the next decade, mentions that three of the key sectors of global silver demand, industrial jewelry and silverware, are believed by Oxford to have an increased rate of growth. As their research indicates, silver industrial demand is now forecast to increase 46% through 2033. Obviously, we have talked quite a bit about that amidst the growing green movement and the uses of silver that continue to expand, often seemingly by the day. And they mentioned that few critical industries of silver are expecting to experience strong output over the next decade, particularly in Asia and in China, where the rapid growth in the output of electrical and electronics application industry is expected to grow by 55% over the next decade, as silver's use in solar and electric vehicles will help this category forward, with jewelry and silverware demand continuing to be led by India although they are expecting China to cut into that somewhat. And if we take a look again at the silver supply and demand numbers, here is what we have with the 237 million ounce deficit that we had in 2022, following a 51 million ounce deficit in 2021, forecasting 142 million ounce deficit In this year, and I believe we're getting pretty close to when the Silver Institute publishes its mid year update so we'll get some clarity on those figures, although again in the top, you can see the industrial demand of 576 million ounces. Which comes in at 68% of mine production 56% of the overall silver supply when you factor in recycling as well. And you can see over the past 10 years, that industrial figure has gone from 440 million ounces up to 576 million ounces. And now Oxford suggesting that that will continue to grow, which certainly matches the things that we are reading and hearing anecdotally, which of course creates a bit of an issue if we're already in a deficit. And again, at the current time with the price, not that far above the primary silver miner's cost of production, which has left us in a market where there has not been a lot of money flowing into these silver mining stocks, which I know many of you are well aware as we've seen by the share prices yet again, that creates a situation where while we're in the middle of a deficit, you don't have projects going online at the same rate that they otherwise would be. So set to somewhat exacerbate that problem along with growth in the industrial jewelry and silverware applications, of course, add in the issues that we are seeing in the economy with slowing growth issues in the banking sector that certainly seem on track to continue with the Fed leaving its interest rate at five and a quarter to five and a half percent. So have that potential For a surge in physical investment demand to really create a problem in those numbers, and let alone if we really run into even more severe problems in the Treasury supply, seems like a perfect storm is building. So I will put the link to the full Oxford report in the description field below. So if you'd like to take a look through that and see how they're coming up with their assumptions, you can do so. Now, in terms of that inflation data that came out this week, as you probably saw yesterday, CPI came out and hit a two-year low, which really caused quite a reaction in the market. It was a little bit surprising the extent of the reaction, given that the numbers that were released came in one-tenth of a percent below expectations across the board. Headline inflation flat year over year at 3.2% compared to expectations of 0.1% and 3.3%, although somewhat of a significant drop being flat relative to the 0.4% in September. In terms of core, we got 0.2% and 4%, again, both a tenth of a percent down from the 0.3 and 4.1% expectations. And as I mentioned, certainly quite a reaction in the financial markets. There is the dollar that had one of its bigger downward moves that we've seen in quite a while. Similarly, in the bond market, you can see here where the yield falls off a cliff from 476 down to 460. So big moves, of course, in addition to what we saw in gold and silver, where there was quite a rally there as well. And when you factor in today's PPI report where they showed wholesale prices falling 0.5% in October compared to an expectation of a 0.1% increase. That has left us with a Fed futures pricing that shows 99.8% probability of a pause at the meeting coming up just about a month on December 13th. Of course, one of the things that came out in this CPI release yesterday that certainly seems a little bit difficult to imagine is here in terms of the health insurance showing a 34% decrease in terms of premiums over the past year, which I can imagine is probably a significant bit different from what you're paying and what you're seeing out there and one of the numbers that factors in and gives us these readings. Although taking a look closer up here, here you see on the right are the month-over-month month figures, and you see meats up 1% on the month, beef and veal up 1.2%, mm-hmm. uncooked beef roasts with quite a jump at 4.1%, pork up 1.3%. So obviously, if you these are the month-over-month month figures, so if you annualize those, uh, the numbers get pretty big. And for example, if we look at uncooked ground beef, 1.5%, that comes to 19% on the year. So obviously some factors in this CPI report that would suggest perhaps a different picture than what we're seeing in terms of the headline numbers that came out. Yet again, we see that there was quite a reaction in the markets because despite what may actually be going on in terms of how much money people are spending to afford the basic cost of life, Wall Street, again, looking to what the Fed will do and how they will respond to these things. Also saw quite a big move in the Japanese yen. There it was at 151.70, dropped all the way to 150.20 following that news, which again means that the yen was appreciating to the dollar based on the market speculating that we will not have another interest rate hike. And if we take a look going a little further out here, Obviously, this curve shifts quite a bit, but now we see one, two, three, four rate cuts favored as a probability in 2024 with the first cut potentially coming in May. So seeing a bit of a reversal of some of these moves today with the bond yield back up six basis points and the dollar yen back up to 150.91. Although again, the key takeaway from all of this is that now markets pricing in basically 100% probability that we will see a Fed pause coming at their December meeting. With perhaps one of the more significant indicators of that being a comment we have from Nick Timoros, affectionately known as the Fed Whisperer, who is a reporter from the Wall Street Journal. And yesterday he had this tweet mentioning October payroll report and inflation strongly suggests the Fed's last hike was in July. Big debate at the next Fed meeting is shaping up over whether and how to modify the post-meeting statement to reflect the obvious that the central bank is on hold. And again, what we've seen over the past months and years is that a lot of what the Fed is doing is often telegraphed to Nick Timorose in advance of those announcements. Used to be John Hilsenrath, who was filling that role, but getting more and more indicators that the Fed actually may be done hiking. And while i don't think that we're going to see jerome powell come out at the next meeting and say that inflation is done and their battle is over of course there is still the lag effect and we are seeing conditions slow down as we will touch on in just a little bit now in terms of another reason that is supporting the gold and silver prices is something we talk about quite a bit on the show here which is the large amount of debt obviously that's already out there but in addition to what has to be rolled over and what is going to be added? And here Tavi Costa mentions unprecedented 8.2 trillion of government debt will be roll will be maturing in the next 12 months. And then you add in next year's deficit, which likely to be 2 trillion, especially in an election year. Could well end up being more than two trillion, especially as the economy slows down. So a lot of debt that is going to need to be issued and funded at a time where more and more of the foreign counterparties who have been funding the debt are pulling away from the auction. And in terms of signs that, again, this isn't just the gold and silver bugs who are concerned about that, Bond King Jeffrey Gunlaunch warns of exploding US debt expenses and a recession coming within the next year. And perhaps more significantly is something that happened last Thursday when there was a 30-year bond auction that did not go well, to put it kindly, which, of course, isn't really all that difficult to imagine, given that we're talking about a 45 to 5% yield on the 30-year bond with inflation, still where it is, and the supply issues that I mentioned factoring in, and we see here that banks were forced to step in and take up the balance. The Fed had to step in and buy a portion of the debt that was issued. And here you can see on that auction, big spike up in the yield. And the article mentions here, this is a big warning flag, because every time we've seen a surge in dealer takedowns, some sort of Fed intervention, QE or otherwise, has usually followed. And we doubt this time will be different. So I suppose it's one thing back in the early 2000s, 2010s, to be talking about how debt loads are getting out of control and one day are going to be a problem. Then you get into 2020s, we have COVID and a lot of easing from the Fed, we see more borrowing from the Treasury yet. Now we're getting to the point where it is becoming a problem in the auctions. And again, when you factor on that, we're just getting to a point where we're going to see a need for a lot of funding in the year and years going forward. CBO projections have the debt load hitting $50 trillion by 2033. I don't think it's an accident that you hear people like Jeff Gunlatch talking about how this is getting a problem and we're no longer at the point where this is just someday in the future, but rapidly approaching where we are now. Here we have a comment from Michael Hartnett from Bank of America. You get to a point where the world just says, sorry, we're not doing this anymore and you lose people that are financing the deficit. Then the Fed is going to be forced to come in and buy treasuries. You could argue as well that they could stop QT first, they could cut rates or reintroduce quantitative easing, but you could get a situation where you've got a disorderly rise in bond yields and a disorderly decline in the dollar because the credit worthiness and credibility of the U.S. government is called into question. And sure enough, we actually did see that as well as late Friday night after the close, Moody's, the bond rating agency, put a negative outlook on the U.S. credit rating, Moody's of the three major credit rating agencies is the only one left that still has a triple A rating. Fitch downgraded them lower this year, and S&P downgraded the U.S. from triple A back in 2011, following what was back then, uh, another big fight over the debt ceiling. Back when we still had the Tea Party putting up a fight against that, obviously the latest debt ceiling that came up was back in early June, where they once again, raised the limit. Actually, didn't raise the limit, just eliminated the limit until the beginning of 2025. And now you can see Moody said in a statement that continued political de- polarization in Congress raises the risk that lawmakers will not be able to reach consensus on a fiscal plan to slow the decline in debt and affordability and any type of significant policy response. You might be able to see to this declining fiscal strength probably wouldn't happen until 2025. Because, again, the reality of the political calendar next year, where we will, of course, have elections in the U.S. Yet, of course, following the release, White House spokesmen said that the downgrade was, of course, due to yet another consequence of congressional Republican extremism and dysfunction, which obviously is the typical reason placed on these things. And we had a comment from the Treasury, while the statement by Moody's maintains the U.S. AAA rating, we disagree with the shift to a negative outlook, although, of course, as we continue to mention in today's episode and others, there are a growing list of investors that are concerned about what's going on. And hey, I guess, what do you expect the Treasury to say? Although, it would be nice if they actually acknowledge the issue that seems quite clear to everyone else is being reflected in the bond market. You're seeing that in the auction that took place last Thursday, and unfortunately, they're really is nothing that I can see or that anyone else I found can see to show any change in what's going on with this trend. And I do believe that that awareness is continuing to grow. And one of the reasons why you're seeing the strength in the gold market that you are. And of course, one of the consequences of that is the interest on the debt expense, which is now over $1 trillion for the first time. And I would suggest is one of the reasons why, despite what Austin Goolsbee of the Fed is saying about a golden path of a huge drop in inflation without a recession is still possible. Yet you look at some of the manufacturing indices. Here is the Dallas Fed Manufacturing Index consistently in negative territory throughout the past year. Here is the Philadelphia Fed Manufacturing Index with an exception of August, you see consistently a negative territory over the past year. Here looking at the Kansas City Fed Manufacturing Index, two increases in the past year, but otherwise in negative territory, and in a couple cases there substantially negative territory. Taking a look over at the leading economic index, and you see that ever since mid-2022, that has been. Going deeper into negative territory that, again, as we take a look back, has been a good indicator of the recession following the dot-com bubble, what we saw in 2008, as well as what we saw in 2020 following the pandemic. And of course, whether the Fed is done raising interest rates or not, all these factors that we're seeing with the supply of treasuries may well continue to raise the longer-term portion of the interest rate curve leading to higher borrowing expenses which makes it incredibly difficult to see the u.s avoid a recession although again what i consider far more likely is that we will have the return of quantitative easing because despite everything the fed is doing and saying now you would certainly think that they will do everything possible to prevent outright failures in the bond market and the way those dynamics are stacking up sure looks like they are going to be one of the key ones that is going to have to step in and buy a lot of that debt, which obviously has its own set of concerns. That's what we saw lead to a lot of the inflation numbers that were so elevated in the past couple of years and what will be leading to more of that in the years going forward. But again, that is why we talk so much about gold and silver on the show and why you see the gold price where it is, why the silver price despite the higher interest rates has not gone back down to that $18 level this year. And of course, this is all aside from the concern that continues to go on in the banking sector that is struggling under the higher interest rates, which has led to increased health to maturity losses, which overall does not paint the best picture of the things that are going on out there. But in closing, I will mention that for anyone that is interested in gold and silver or quite proud of our relationship with Miles Franklin... That is a safe place to buy gold and silver. And in terms of a special that they are currently running, they do have the 2023 Austrian Philharmonics for only $3.40 over spot. And if you're interested in adding to your stack or beginning an allocation into silver, welcome to email us at Arcadia at MilesFranklin.com where... I'll be happy to answer any questions that you might have about the silver special or any of the things that we are talking about here on the show. Of course, in addition to that silver special, obviously Miles Franklin does have access to a full array of gold products as well. And again, you can find out more at Arcadia at milesfranklin.com. And with that said, going to wrap up for today, but hope you are having a great day out there. Appreciate you spending part of it here with us on the show and We'll look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.